since the 3rd of August 2021, we've been chanting, recollecting the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and we also chanted the Mangala Sutta as well. This is a Dhamma verse um, of the teachings of the Buddha about the blessings in life. And uh, so we see that long life, this is a blessing. And this arises through or due to the merit, the skillful actions that we have done. So if any monastics or laity live to the age of 80, 90 or 100, we say that this is a long life. And some people live even longer than this. And I once went to pay respects to uh, Lumpu Sopa, who lived to about 126 years. And uh, also Lumpu Si in the Konsawan, who was about 120 years old. And so they lived uh, very long lives, these monks, and that was possible because they'd created this karma of not harming other beings. And so it's not easy to live to the age of a hundred or past a hundred. This Mangala Sutta, these teachings of uh, the Buddha, and um, he's taught about what the blessings in life are. And so someone posed this question, what is the highest blessing in life? And there was arguments about this, people disputing. And they tried to find um, the wise people to ask this question to, the kind of philosophers or the sages of the day, and ask what are the highest blessings in life. Uh, but there was no clear answer that people didn't really know. And so the question went up to the deva realms. It was asked there and still no devas knew until it reached the king of the devas. And uh, so the king then asked, well, why are you coming to ask me this question? Why don't you ask the Buddha? So this shows that he had wisdom, that he could recommend someone who did know the answer, the fully self-awakened Buddha. And so the Buddha knew. He knew what is a blessing and what's not a blessing. And he taught about these 38 blessings. And these are things that we can think about and reflect upon and think outside of these 38 blessings that the Buddha taught, is there anything else? Is there anything that we can find to add to this list? Any other highest blessing in life? And really the Buddha taught all of these and taught, gathered all of these blessings together into this one uh, teaching, this one verse. And it's all complete there already. And so we chant this, and that's good, but we should also take these blessings and put them into practice as well. So like the blessing of seeing a samana, that this is the highest blessing in life. And seeing a samana, there are actually two types of samana. There's the external one and the internal one. And a samana is one who is at peace. And say a muni, a sage, is the same, one at peace, a samana, one at peace, one at respite from all harmful deeds. 
So if we're going to talk about external samanas, then the highest of these is the fully self-awakened Buddha. And seeing him is a great blessing. Then there's his right and left-hand disciples, all of the other exalted and foremost disciples of the Buddha, and then all of the arahants. So in this present day, perhaps we've met some of the Krubhajans, these great teachers, these awakened beings, those who have practiced well and practiced correctly, such as Nupucha or Longta Mahabua. And so this is seeing a samana, seeing an external samana, and we can see just how beautiful they are. And then listening to their Dhamma, that we get uh, the merit from that. And so in seeing them, we get this merit and skillfulness to one degree, but then we listen to their Dhamma, and this increases the merit, the skillfulness that we gain. And through listening to the Dhamma, we are able to know this path that can free us, free us from suffering. So we see these external samanas, and then we take the Dhamma that they teach and put this into practice. And then we get to perceive this internal samana, the samana there within our hearts. And this forms the highest blessing of life. And so we see that these minds, uh, that they've been born into this life as a human. And there are many, many minds, many of these jittas, which have been born as animals, there's huge numbers. So we must work to protect ourselves from falling lower than the human realm, to falling into a place, a realm which is ill at ease, which is painful, one of these states of uh, woe. The hell realms, for example, or the asura guys, the hungry ghosts, or the animal realm. So we're fortunate that we've been born into the human realm in this life. And that shows that we have a lot of merit. And furthermore, we've met with the teachings of the Buddha. And we know about this path of practice. So we should be intent to not associate with fools. And this means both inner fools and outer fools and to be close to good beings, wise people, and praise the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, the great teachers. So we should study each aspect, each of these 38 blessings, and then work to put them into practice. And through doing this, um, then our minds grow higher, and they become imbued with these blessings. And they gain the happiness of that as well. And so really the highest of these blessings is the training of the mind to abide above the world, to reach the state of Lokutara, to abide outside of cause and above effect, outside of happiness and above suffering outside of birth and above death. And this is a teaching which is really worth thinking about, something really worth reflecting upon, mulling over. Because if we're still caught 
in cause and effect, then we're still caught in the world because we still have a self. If there's a self, if there's a me, then there'll be an other. And so there's this cause and effect there. And we need to use our knowledge of cause and effect in order to live our lives in this world, in order to care for our lives, to make our way through the world. And then there's happiness and there's suffering within this world, and we know that. But what about that which is outside of happiness and above suffering, outside of cause and above effect, outside of birth and above death? Do we know about that? We know about death, but what about abiding above death, the deathless? We know about birth, but in order to abide above death, then we need to get ourselves free from birth. And if we don't get born, then we don't have to die. So this birth we know, we should also get to know that which isn't born, and that which doesn't die. Because if there's birth, then there'll have to be death. And then when there's death, then there's birth again. And this just goes back and forth, back and forth, between birth and death, and death and birth, like this. So we need to cultivate our minds in order to meet with this inner samana. Samana nancha dasanang is in the teaching of the Buddha. And so we train our minds and cultivate them in terms of Dhamma. And so we can discuss this Dhamma, and discuss this Dhamma with others. Is there anything really that's here that's, that's actually real, anything that lasts? And we can have a Dhamma discussion with our own minds, and ask ourselves, well, in this world, is there anything that's actually mine? Is there anything genuine, true, lasting here? So we can ask ourselves this with all the sights that we see. That if we're monastics, then we see halls, we see a huts, we see jetties, these kinds of things. And they're built to last a long time. They're built with strength. But do they stay forever? Well, they can't. And so we see that these things, they change. These things, they have to break apart. And everything has its life span. Everything. Even the concrete, the steel, even rocks, they have their life span. And this is true for us as well. That we have our life expectancy as humans. And so it's possible that we live out um, a full life, that we meet that life expectancy, or perhaps we'll die before then. And in this present day, we see that the results of um, people's karma, which has been kind of waiting for a long time um, to give results, it's, it's fruiting now. And a lot of people are dying all over the world. And this is due to the karma that these beings have created. And that's producing um, these results in this present moment. So we need to be cautious, we need to use our mindfulness. But it's not the case that when we die, we just die once. 
When this body dies, then these four elements, they break apart, and the mind will go on to the next birth. And then from the next birth, it'll go on to the next death. And it just goes on and on like this without finish. So what we must do is die, but die from the sense of self, to allow me and mine, you and yours, to die. So we need to die in this way. And in doing so, then the mind abides outside of birth and above death. And then we see happiness and suffering, and it abides above these two. And it uh, transcends the world in this way. But if we just try to think about this, you know, what state is beyond happiness and above suffering, then our thoughts just won't reach that far. And we can ask ourselves, well, what is it like? But it's just too high for our thoughts to go. And this happiness that is above the world, the happiness of Lokuttara, our thoughts can't reach that far. But if we understand the nature of clinging and how this gives rise to suffering, um, then the mind will abide above that suffering and it will reach the state of Lokuttara. I'll turn into a noble being. And that's where we all want to be, isn't it? That's what we want to get. And to the state of a noble being, or the state of an arahant. And so in order to get there, and we should ask ourselves, well, what do the arahants teach? Well, they teach in line with the instructions of the Buddha, which is to walk this path, to walk this way. And how do we do that? How do we walk this way? Well, we take this path of generosity, virtue, and inner cultivation. That all of us, we have faith, and we bring that faith to completion. And if we really set our hearts on this path, then we'll need to meet with success. But when we talk about gaining, gaining success, that doesn't mean that we gain a lot of things, that we accumulate many things, that we get a lot of belongings and wealth, that that's not right. When we talk about gaining, what we mean is putting down. What we mean is abandoning. And a sotapanna, one who has entered the stream of the Dhamma, they've put things down. They've abandoned self. They've abandoned me and mine. And they've seen into the true nature of these things. And so the way of Dhamma is opposed, it's opposite of the way of the world, that the Dhamma is like this. So we don't, in practicing the Dhamma, we don't go and accumulate a lot of things, but rather we relinquish things, we put things down, so that we become lighter, we become unburdened. You see how in this present moment we're carrying these five khandas around with us, and everywhere we go, we shoulder them, and it's really heavy. So if we want to experience lightness, we need to put these things down. All of the things which are heavy, we need to lay them aside. And that's what an arahant has done. They've reached the state where they've let go of all heavy things. They've put all of these things down. 
And so we need to do this. We need to abandon me and mine, abandon the sense of self, lay it aside. And we put these things down in order to see the Dhamma, in order to reach the state of sotapanna, the stream entry. So a sotapanna is one who has cut the three lower fetters, these three things which bind our hearts, these three barriers, they form into this first barrier. So uh, there's this self-view, and then attachments to rites and rituals and skeptical doubt. And if we can destroy these first three fetters which form this first barrier, and then what's left is not all that difficult. And that work will be completed within seven lifetimes. They'll be able to completely destroy ignorance. But if we don't cut these first three fetters, and then the mind will get born and die again and again, and we just don't know how long that's going to go on for. It can just keep on going for millions of lives, for many, many eons. And there's just life after life. So we should investigate into this sagayaditi, this self-view, and ask ourselves, inquire, that why do we see things in this way? When the Buddha has taught clearly that everything is not self. Um, and he taught that upon this knowledge which he himself had gained of truth, of reality. So we should think about this and reflect upon it, uh, contemplate it, and ask ourselves, what is it that we take to be self? Well, this breath, for instance, that we claim, this is my breath, I have this breath, but others also have breath as well. And are they different in any way? You say that I drink water, but other people also drink water, and so there's no difference there. Well, the earth elements in this body, and we claim that it's my body, this is my kind of earth element, but are other people's earth elements different from ours? Are other people's body really any different from our own? And so we should contemplate this well, and we should ask ourselves and discuss with ourselves um, about this in order to uproot this delusion that's there. Because really, the earth, water, fire, and air within our bodies and the bodies of other beings, it's all the same. And when this is the case, then why do we separate these things out? Why do we discriminate um, between self and other, um, separate things out in this way, create these divisions? And it's avidya, this ignorance, which divides things up like this. And that's just the nature of ignorance, to act in this way. And so it gives rise to me and mine, my family, my household, my city, my country. It divides things in this way. And this creates um, many issues, many problems in this world, this separation. It creates all the selfishness that we experience and we see. All of the arguments, all of the fighting, all of the agitation and chaos arises from this. 
And that's why people harm each other in this world. So we need to try to destroy this view, try to change this view into a view which is correct. In order to do that, we must contemplate well, we must train our minds well, to see that there isn't really a me or an other that's there. And if our minds are in a state of peace, we can teach them easily. If they have samadhi, then wisdom arises without difficulty. But if they're lacking this collectedness, this stability of samadhi, then they just won't listen to us, they won't believe us. And so this wisdom, it depends upon samadhi, doesn't it? (laughs) And what about mindfulness? This is a quality which is very important as well. And so mindfulness, it acts as... um, something which protects us. So we see that with water, even if water is very strong or if there's a lot of it, but if there's a damn wall which is built with strength, um, then it can um, stop that flow of water. And so mindfulness is the same. It can help um, to protect our minds, to stop them from getting involved in liking or disliking. So if any states of liking, disliking, attraction, or aversion arise, then we know what's happening. And we contemplate them back and forth, back and forth, and ask ourselves, where am I within all of that? And we see that there isn't really a me that's there. And what about others? What about him and her? Well, there isn't, they aren't there either. That this knowing elements, this jitta, it's, there's no difference between them. And if we take the avijja, the ignorance out of any knowing element, then all of them uh, will become pure. So there isn't really a self or an other within any of these knowing elements. There's no difference between them. So when we realize this, then we can put down the world and transcend the world. Abide beyond beyond cause and above effect, abide beyond birth and above death, and abide beyond happiness and above suffering. But in order to get there, we must destroy these three fetters. In order to do that, we need to train our minds. And so training our minds in generosity and virtue and samadhi and in wisdom And all of this is contained within this Mangala Sutta, that all of these are blessings within our life, all of these qualities. And the mind that's not given to liking and disliking, this is also contained within the 38 um, teachings, or the 38 aspects of the Mangala Sutta. And so these are all teachings of the Buddha that take us from the very beginnings of the path, the basics of how to live a good lay life, and then it can take us right to the very highest. So it takes us to this point um, where the mind is not given at all into attraction or aversion, liking and disliking, into seeing the noble truths, seeing that this body, it's not me, it's not mine, seeing that it's just a heap of suffering. And we use our samadhi to perceive this, to contemplate the nature of this body, See how it's something which is painful, 
something which is unstable, that doesn't last, something which is, that doesn't have a true self within it. And in doing so, the mind becomes empty through seeing this truth. So we should train ourselves in this way together, that we chant this verse until we become skilled at chanting it, at reciting it, and then we contemplate it in order to understand it clearly. And we practice like this. And then our minds, they become complete, they become full. And so may all of you train in this way. Because we've all been born into this life and we have this great opportunity now. So we should cultivate our minds to ensure that in the next life, that at the very least we don't fall beyond or fall below the level of a human. That we make sure that our minds keep growing higher and higher until we see the Dhamma. We can see the Dhamma within this very life. And so today is Longpo Somchai's birthday. He's 65 years old. And we've chanted um, the auspicious verses. And um, so may all of us have set our minds, made this determination that um, through this goodness that he has a long life, lives to a hundred years, so he can carry on working for the benefits of the Buddha Sasana, carry on working to help all of us. So through the blessings of this chanting, may all of us um, determine our minds that he has a long life and he has good health and good strength. <laughs>